Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the Romans teaching today. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, pastor of Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas, right here in my office today on a beautiful rainy day here this Friday morning where we've had our AC on the last couple of days. But tonight it's going to drop back down around 30 or a little bit lower. So uh, here in the beautiful piney woods of northeast Texas, we can go back and forth. We can uh, we can have 80-degree days like we did two days ago, or we can have uh, days in the 20s. But uh, uh, I, I, I love it here and uh, because we don't hardly ever have bad winters. And, and uh, so anyway, we all need rain, and it is doing that outside right now. So praise God for the rain. Glad you've tuned in with us today. We should make it through the end of chapter 5 today. I'm looking forward to that. We've got one verse to cover, the last verse, the 21st verse of chapter 5. And today, this is part 14 of chapter 5 in our Romans teaching. I, I would hope and pray that you would help share these messages on social media somehow. Email somebody the YouTube uh, link that they can go to it. Uh, uh, share it on the, all your Facebook friends, however you can get it out. Help us get the gospel. Help us share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody else. Amen. Uh, our YouTube channel is Curtis Hutchinson 316. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded there. Avail yourself to all the worship service uh, preaching, uh, the Romans teaching that's right now, the Galatians teaching we do live every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And so uh, it's there, and we're uploading them also on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Again, that's thecrosswaychurch.com. There's where you can go and donate, help us do what we're doing. It, it, listen, the gospel is free, but it costs money to publish the Word of God, to take it and send it. So uh, sow a seed to the Lord for this great work of true gospel preaching, this biblical teaching and preaching that is according to what God gave the Apostle Paul uh, for the church and for the world. And uh, we're just thankful to be here doing what we're doing today. Don't forget to pray for our church plant. We're planning a new church in Wichita Falls, Texas. This is the weekend coming uh, for that. Uh, the second weekend every month uh, will be Friday night at 7. Uh, tomorrow night, Pastor Tommy Wiedelman from Tuttle, Oklahoma. Uh, will be there, Cross Life Fellowship Church, and he'll be bringing the word tomorrow night. So tune in right here on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page for the live service, or you can find it later on our YouTube channel. And I'll be teaching Saturday morning from 10 to lunch. Uh, again, pray for that work there. It's a, it's a brand new work. We, we need a pastor for that church. Uh, and we and, and, and God is already gathering people there. So just pray for us and pray for our Bibles to the inmates program. We have six expositor study Bibles every single week get into the hands of inmates who have written letters and requested this particular Bible and we're sending it to them. So uh, praise God for that and, and uh, just help us do that. One last thing before we dig into the Word of God. We have a church app, Crossway Church. Uh, we have an app for smartphones, whether Apple or the other side of the fence. Uh, so 
avail yourself, get that app on your smartphone, you can watch a slide, you can watch the archives, you can donate there, everything, and so uh, we're just trying to do everything we can to make the gospel available uh, so that the lost world can be saved and that the wandering church who've wandered away from the cross of Christ can come home. And so praise God, praise God, praise God. We are in the book of Romans chapter 5. This is part 14 as I've said, and we're going to cover the last verse today, which is verse 21, but I'm going to start with verse 19 and flow into it because I'm a firm believer. You can't just wake up today and read a verse and that be the only place you are. You have to know from where you have come in the scriptures so that where you're at can all flow together. So let's do that this morning. Romans 5 and 19, for as by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, talking about Adam in the garden. So by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, and what he did at the cross, shall many be made righteous. Verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And we talked about that on the last uh, episode, that God gave the law so that men could see just how sinful they were and what it was they were really, how they were really sinning. They didn't know they were a liar until they were told, don't be bearing false witness. They didn't know they were coveting until they were told, don't be coveting. They were living in sin, committing all the sins, but they didn't, they didn't have a law. From Adam to Moses, there was no law. But men still died as sinners in their sin because they were sinners guilty of sin. (coughs) That's how we got here. We're born in that shape. Again, let me say it. I can't say it enough. You don't become a sinner when you commit your first sin. You commit your first sin and live as a sinner because that's what you are. You're conceived in iniquity. You're birthed in iniquity. Not talking about the the act of, uh, of intimacy that brought you into being. I'm talking about your very birth as a person is a birth as a sinner because that's who we are because of Adam and Eve. So, verse 20, let me start again. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. God gave the law so I could see, wow, I am a sinner, and wow, I am a huge sinner. Not only did it did the law strengthen sin, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, write that down. And that's any law, my friend. Any, if you make up a law that you've got to walk around the house three times a day uh, concentrating on a red tomato or whatever foolishness it might be or anything even in the Bible that you think you have to read and then go do to be delivered from sin, that's a law. That's not grace because law is what you do. Grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary. And when law comes onto the scene, guess what happens? The sin nature is stirred. The law strengthens sin. The law strengthens the sin nature. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The law strengthens sin. Think about that. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded... 
grace did much more abound. When Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden, God rushed into the garden and found them not to crush them, but to give them a promise of a coming Redeemer. And the way in which that Redeemer would come and benefit them and restore them and give them the fellowship and the relationship and the salvation they needed and also crush the head of the devil would be through the sacrifice that God showed them in the garden. Think about that. Glory to God, that's good news. That was God showing them what He would do, not what they had to do. You understand? You, you need to understand that. Yes, God required them to bring a sacrifice, but even through the ages, those that brought animals to kill, it wasn't, God says in the book of Hebrews, that He was never pleased with the blood of animals. He was only pleased, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith. And that faith is in the promise He offered them, the coming Redeemer, His Son that would be sent. That's the faith, the only faith God is pleased with is the faith that He offered through His Son to save you. We live today, Galatians 2.20, by the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us. Think about that. Write that down. It's not some other faith. God's not pleased with any faith outside of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you believe upon Him right now today, not just 30 years ago when you got saved, right now today for your faith to be legitimate and please God, it must be in the one and what He did for you that causes your faith to be legitimate. And that faith gets you the grace of God, which is God at work in your life, saving you, teaching you, laboring in and through you. Praise God. And God offered grace there in the Garden of Eden in a promise. God offered grace on the cross to all of humanity, not just to a certain group of people, but to all of humanity. Can we turn over there this morning before we move too much farther from the, I want you to see this with your own eyeballs. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, I want you to see it. Make a note. I want you to see this. Hebrews 2 and 9. And what I'm showing you here is how Jesus lived and died by grace through faith. Watch this, Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. This is the grace God had promised. This is the grace God offered in the Garden of Eden that if they would believe a Redeemer was coming and that He would come through the way God showed them, the sacrifice, the sacrifice uh, then uh, not something they would do, but something He would do for them, glory to God, and He became a man, sent His Son, the living Word, and He laid His life down as a humble, obedient act unto death. It was a move of God. It was by the grace of God, what God was doing, reconciling sinners in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.19, that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. No matter what sin you have committed, the grace of God abounds greater. The law will tell you that sin is so big, you're in so bad trouble.
trouble, you're so guilty. But grace comes along, which is the message of the cross, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where sin has abounded and almost utterly destroyed your life, and in all reality has you separated from God in your sin, God will reconcile you. God will bring you home as a child of God if you'll place your faith, believe from your heart, not your head, but from your heart with all that you are that Christ died for your sins. And that's all you have to do, my friend, to receive the grace of God, to receive that which God did on your behalf at Calvary in Christ and to watch God on your behalf work today in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We're talking about the grace of God. The grace of God much more abounds. It's not something floating around. Uh, that grace, grace is God doing something. And when the Bible says grace abounds, that means God comes on the scene and God does more than what sin did to you. God saves you, fills you with the Holy Ghost, delivers you, restores you, uses you, changes you, blesses you, strengthens you comforts you. All these and many, many more things God will do. He does everything He does by grace. Let's get this right. By the Spirit of grace who is the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Spirit of truth. You cannot separate grace from the Spirit of grace, the truth, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, God the Holy Ghost. It's all the same person doing a work in us and through us if our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Never forget that. You move your faith to anything else. Water baptism, the purpose driven, the government of 12, walking around the house three times and concentrating on a big red juicy tomato or hanging a... I'm talk, it is that silly. It is that foolish. People, and, and we're all guilty of thinking, if I could just, I'll just do this and it'll soothe my mind. No, if it's not faith in the cross, it's not God at work. It's not grace. To go to the throne of grace in your time of trouble, you must go by way of faith in the blood or you can't even approach God as a child of God. Listen, I'm telling you some things that are biblical today. You can't even approach the throne of grace to get grace, the throne of God's work. He's resting in His finished work. You can't approach the throne of grace except through faith in the blood. And when you go to the throne of grace... By faith in the blood, you get grace. That means you get the answer from God, the power of God, the direction, instruction, sometimes, praise God, the correction that we need. So, watch this now. Verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Now, Think about this, death, sin, sin. And here the word, let's look it up, sin, the word sin here, and let's check this out, we want to be sure, this word sin here is hamartia. It's 266, if you're going to look it up, G266, and it is a, it is a noun. This is, this is not a verb, this is a noun. The, the verb word sin, the word sin as a, as a verb in the, in the Bible speaks of acts of sin. The word sin as a noun speaks of a person, place, or thing. We know that it's a sin nature. So let's read this. Even as the sin nature has reigned. That's why 
That's why men from Adam to Moses without a law, they had the sin nature ruling and reigning. Look, sin reigned unto death. Sin reigned unto death. Death is always the wages for sin. The wages of sin, the price for sin, the cost of sin is death. Death is required at sin. God told Adam before he ever sinned, right off the bat, Adam, you are free, you are free, you are free to eat of all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And he didn't fall physically dead the moment he ate of that tree, disobeyed God, but he did spiritually become separated from God. When God showed up, he ran from God, hid from God. God had to come. God had to be the the initiator of this restoration. Man didn't go running after God in his sin and fear. God came running after you. Hallelujah. That is excellent news. It doesn't get any more good than that. God came looking for you. You're his highest creation, not trees and clouds and universes. He created man in his image. Think about that. Think about it. He came running after his highest uh, creation, his most beautiful, wondrous to him creation, which was man in his own image. He came running after us to restore us, to offer us, hear me, the, the way, not a way of many, the way of restoration. It was God making a promise. And when we sinned, we fell into a place of death. Watch this, sin has reigned unto death. All that we're born into this life, dead, separated from God in our sins. Separated. Can I tell you today, and I've preached this for years, taught this for years, but for those of you who are just now finding us and listen, listening to the teaching, death is separation. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you look at it, the word death always means separation. Think about that. When you go to a funeral and you look in a casket, there's a body laying there, but there's no life there because the soul and the spirit has gone on. There's been a death. There's been a separation. In the Garden of Eden, when God told Adam, don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. The moment he disobeyed God and ate off that tree, he died. He was separated spiritually from God. He was separated from the tree of life. He was separated from the Garden of Eden. He was separated from his fellowship with God. And, and we think about this word death. You and I are born dead in sin, separated from God. No way to God except through Christ and the cross to be reconciled to God. And until, as Jesus said, we're born again, we can't enter the kingdom or even see it. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says about the stupidity of man to think there's only one way to God. The God, the only God who's ever existed, sent His Son to tell us there's only one way to Him. Praise God. And death, death, listen, sin reigns unto death. That's why Jesus had to shed His blood to reconcile us because 
sin was reigning unto death, and death is always the result of sin. And again, death is separation. For the lost person without Christ, they're separated from God in their sins because they've not yet accepted from their heart, from believing upon Christ and His reconciling act of obedience through death on the cross. They've not accepted that, so they remain dead in their sins. And if they die and leave this earth dead in their sins, they will die the second death, which is the eternal death. Think about that. I've got four scriptures I want you to jot down that speak of the second death. They're all four in the book of Revelations. Write them down. Listen very carefully. Revelation 2.11, Revelation 20, verse 6, Revelations 20, verse 14, and Revelations 21, verse 8 again, Revelations 2, verse 11, Revelation 20, verse 6, Revelations 20 verse 14 and Revelations 21 verse 8. And again, the second death in these scriptures in Revelations tell us that it's death and hell being cast into the lake of fire. These are people who never would accept Christ. They never accepted Jesus. They never would submit their lives to Christ. They never would accept that He died on the cross for their sins. Maybe they agreed mentally. Maybe they accepted it mentally and they agreed that it would happen historically, but they never gave themselves to that. They never humbled themselves and became obedient through a true faith in what He did personally for them and their sins. And if they don't ever accept Christ, they die the second death, which is eternal separation. Remember, death is separation from God. We're born because we're sinners when we get here, separated from God. If we're never reconciled to God by faith in the blood being born again, the old man passing away, now becoming a new creation in Christ. If that never happens, we die separated from God and we're at the judgment cast into the lake of fire which is the second death and the second death is the last separation which is eternal. There is no getting out. I know you can get on Google and the liars and the thieves and the false prophets will tell you that everybody eventually will be saved. Even the devil will one day be saved because God is just too merciful and His love is just so huge. And even here the Bible says His grace abounds. God's grace is what God does only through faith in Christ and His sacrifice. Jesus told the Pharisees that they would die in their sins. The Bible speaks of death as separation. You're born separated from God. You can be reconciled through faith in the blood and nothing else, not your water baptism, not your going to church, you're reading your Bible, you singing songs, you you having a that you feeling like you feel good that God's okay with you. You 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 learning a few verses. Nothing you do can save you. Only what God did in Christ can save you through your faith in that. Your faith in the sacrifice of Christ always gets God working on your behalf. He saves you. He teaches you. He restores you. Hallelujah. He labors in and through you. Those are all scriptures in the New Testament. So I want you to get this today. Death is separation. We're born into this life separated from God. 
Without hope, without strength, we have nothing. We have no way to heaven in and of ourselves. Can't get there. Don't care what you find on old know-it-all Google who don't know much of anything. You've got to get in the Word of God. This is where we get our direction. This is where we get our information, our knowledge. And this is where we will find the story of Christ and Him crucified because God loves us that much. Without faith in the cross, as a, as a lost person, you can never be reconciled and you will remain dead, which means separated from God, guilty in your sins. Now let me talk about the word death related to us Christians. Death is still separation, no matter who it's for. Death for the lost is dead in their sins and separated. Death for the child of God, the wages of sin, when we move our faith from the cross to even things that look good, sound good, and things that we should be doing according to the Word of God. When we move our faith from the sacrifice of Christ alone to something other, anything other, even good things, even things in the Word, we fall from grace. And grace is God at work on our behalf functioning in and through our lives, changing us, uh, conforming us, using us. It all stops if we move our faith from the only place grace comes and then we are separated, we become dead, we become separated in our fellowship. Think about that. We become separate. Death is the wages of any sin is death, and death is separation. We remain children of God. We remain, listen, we're, we're not even separated from God because we commit a sin. We're separated in our fellowship from God when we move our faith from the very thing that allows us to have fellowship with Him. There could be no fellowship with God when Cain chose not to bring the right offering. The fellowship was over. God would Then all God could do, and we need to grab a hold of this today, church, all God could do at that point was do what He did at the beginning. Go and confront Cain because He loved Cain and He was wanting to be merciful, wanting to be gracious to Cain, but He had to get Cain first to agree that God was right and that if He would bring the right offering, then He could have the mercy and the grace and, and the fellowship, but Cain refused to do it so there could be no fellowship. And if there's no fellowship, hear me today, we'll go out and start our own movement. That's what folks do that are out of fellowship with God. Nobody goes out and starts another another false teaching without being separated from God. Only those who are separated from God do that. Those who are led of the Spirit in fellowship with the Lord don't go out and start some false movement like the hyper grace and, and, and all these things. Joseph Smith started the whole Mormonism movement because he, he I don't know how he started. I don't know what his situation was, but he didn't start Mormonism being led of the Spirit. He didn't start Mormonism in fellowship with God. That happened outside fellowship with God. Outside of fellowship with God is where everything false gets originated. Cain went out and started a whole generation of people and believed all sorts of false things, had their faith in everything else because he first 
removed himself from fellowship with God by not placing his faith in the right object. So let me say this. I want to make sure we get this. Death is separation. For the lost without Christ, they're separated from God. They have absolutely no fellowship, no way, no way to even feel good or, or to have, they can't even know the spiritual things of God and, or, or enter the kingdom, or, Jesus taught Nicodemus, or even see the kingdom without being first born again. And that only happens through faith in the blood of Jesus and what he off, as he offered himself in a humble, obedient act at Calvary. No other place gets you grace for salvation or grace for laboring today as a child of God or grace for anything because grace is God at work doing something and He only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. And grace is only found in truth. Colossians 1, 5 and 6. Write it down, read it. When we know the grace of God in truth, the fruit begins to be bare. It's in your Bible. Outside of faith in, in the cross, and not 30 years ago, three days ago, faith in the cross, right now faith is the substance. Hallelujah. Right now, we have to place our faith in the cross alone, and when we do, that means we relinquish the object of any other faith. It's not the cross and. If it's the cross, the work of Christ and, then we're telling God from our heart that wasn't enough. Preachers are a dime a dozen today telling you Christ did that. Now you have to know, listen, grace I need to function today and that is God working in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure and me working that out is my faith in what it takes to allow Him to work in me. And that same grace that allows Him to work in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure by my faith in the sacrifice of Christ, that same grace will empower me me, is God empowering me to allow Him to bring forth the fruits of His righteousness, the fruit of His Spirit. If God is at work, then the fruit of God, according to the Word, is there. That He is at work, praise the Lord. So, sin has reigned unto death. Even so, grace reigns. But listen, grace only reigns through righteousness. Grace only reigns through righteousness. One last scripture. Let's look at it. Man, I had a lot to say today. It got here quick, didn't it? 30 minutes is over in the twinkle of an eye. Listen, verse 21 of Galatians 2. I hope you're understanding this today. I do not frustrate. That means set aside or deny the grace of God. That means what God has done, what God will do. Because if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That one verse reveals so much that the righteousness of God, the grace of God that brings the righteousness, does not come through what I do, which is any law, but by the death of Jesus and my faith in that. Grace is how we get righteousness, but righteousness, but grace reigns through that very righteous act of obedience that Jesus performed for us on the cross. I hope this has helped you today.
I hope this has blessed you today. I, if it has, I hope you'd share it. I hope you would help support this ministry of true gospel preaching that is reaching literally people all over the world, putting Bibles in the hands of inmates, planting new churches. Help us do. Come alongside. Be co-laborers with us as we are helping folks See the Scriptures in the true light. Hallelujah. Help us do that. Number one, praying for us. Number two, sharing these teachings uh, online, however you find uh, the ability to do that. And number three, sowing financially into this ministry. All three of those things will bring a great reaping of, of blessing into your life in the way that God will bless you. I'm telling you, be a part of the work of God in these last days. He loves you. We love you. And until next time, God bless you and stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you next time.